Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers, and anyone who loves children's books. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozeman. I'm mom to two boys, a middle school teacher, homeschooler, and a writer. Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, episode 47. Wow, we're almost to 50. That's impressive. That's exciting. <laughs> our, our little COVID project's almost middle-aged. Um, <laughs> we're back to realistic fiction this episode for 8 to 12-year-olds, but we're going to look at realistic fiction with a diverse twist. Realistic fiction's not my favorite, as you know. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you like some flying unicorns. But you know, like the diverse cast and everything, I I always think that makes it so much more interesting. Did you like your book this time? You're not going to be a negative Nelly, are you? I'm going to tell you, I hated my book for the first third of it. And then all of a sudden it got good. So I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Finally. All right. Good. Finally, I'll, I, I'm, I'm not going to be so, so salty on it this week. But before we get to that, what's new in your world? Uh, listeners, as you can tell, we both probably don't sound quite like ourselves. <laughs> um, we are suffering out here. Like you're COVID Karen, as we like to call you. Um, and I actually, we are suffering great strain on what I like to call the pollening. Yes. You remember like on Stranger Things when they go to the upside down and it's like dark and gloomy and those like particles are floating in the air all the time. Yes. yes, I have not watched the new season yet, so don't send me any spoilers. Um, that's exactly what it looks like, except it's sunny and there's particles floating. So we live in the woods, and most of Massachusetts, southeastern Massachusetts, where we are, is woods. So when the palm or palm trees, oh, if only when the pine trees start to pollinate, it's insane. I sent you a picture yesterday of my, my husband's car. My black, his black car was literally yellow. And that was after we'd already hosed it off. It was, that was crazy. Like my patio furniture or patio deck furniture. I've, I don't know. I don't know how many times I've washed it and cleaned it. It's yellow again. I mean, it's, I've lived a lot of places and I've seen pollen and this is like some sort of freak place I've never seen before. <laughs> it is insanity. And so everyone's sick and you don't know if you're sick from pollen or if you're sick from cooties or if you're sick from what. I'm living in the upside down. That's it. Massachusetts is the upside down right now. And it's it's miserable, but it will let up hopefully soon. It only that's the nice thing. Like the the trees pollinate just for like there's like a two week period, a one or two week period where it's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. And then it's done. If you survive, you get to see the end. So that's where we are right now. And I am uh, waging a one warm woman, a one woman who is asthmatic and incredibly allergic to trees fight against the pollen. And that makes me angry. And on my end, I threw the coolest graduation party last Saturday. It was so great. We had so much fun. I can't even tell you, like normally graduation parties, people stop in for 10 minutes and leave. I mean, people were staying. Did you have dancing? I know we didn't have dancing, but we had music. I mean, they were treating it like freaking date night up in here. It was amazing. It was so much fun. We had so much fun. I saw people I haven't seen forever. Um, And I did it with uh, three other moms and I threw this party and people were just gushing about how wonderful it was. And we all had a blast and we were all super excited and we were all on high on Sunday after it was over. And of course I woke up Monday morning with COVID. So that's about right. Somebody's grandma hugged you one too many times. And she was the carrier. She was like patient X. Gertie, Gertie from Terre Haute was, did you in? She was like, oh, I got the COVID. I'm going to pass it on. It was so funny because I was just talking to a friend of mine like the, that night. And I was like, I am like just so happy right now. And so we both look at each other. We're like, so we know something bad is going to happen, right? Right. 
Uh, it's so awesome, though. You worked really hard. I'm so glad it was a huge hit because yes. parties like that are kind of like hit or miss. You never know right. if people are going to be like, oh, oh I got to go to my friend's graduation party. You know, like got to go to this. But you also did it on Memorial Day weekend, which is brilliant because then your family could all come in. And in Indianapolis, Memorial Day weekend is like the only time in the summer that's important because of the Indy 500. So it was like huge. That was the only drawback because there's not a hotel for miles in this town during that time. But I got my family all here and they all had a place to sleep. So it worked out. But yeah, and my whole family was here, which was so wonderful. And they helped so much. Oh my gosh, my niece and nephews were amazing. And my sister, I mean, it was both my sisters, I should say, everybody and everybody was here. My brothers had a good time. It it just was wonderful. I I loved it. I loved everything about it. It felt like such a great celebration of my son getting through his childhood years. I raised a human, Margie. I did. I know that's really impressive. (laughs) But do you feel like, like, do you feel like it's done? Like you're officially closing a chapter now? I kind of do. Is that bad? Maybe I shouldn't. No, it's not. I just want to know. I want to look longingly as to what's going to happen. Should I survive the pollening and get my children raised? What do I have to look forward to? My husband feels like we still have a lot of work left to do. You know, we don't know how college is going to go. We don't know, you know, but I feel like at this point though, my son's- Now it's his turn. You say, you know what? You let him do it. I did the first 18 years now. If you want to worry about it, the next four are on you, hon. That's true. That's a good point. Well, I mean, he was he was there a lot along the way too. But also I just feel like, well, my kid is technically an adult. And of course I will always be here for him, but I don't feel like the weight of getting him through. Like, I don't feel the weight of getting him through college. Like if he doesn't get through college, you know what? Maybe that's on him. Yeah. Maybe he'll figure something else out. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm sure he'll be fine. His dad didn't go to college and he's a very successful business owner. So I I'm not worried about that, like high school. Like I just thought, oh, if I can't get him through high school, what are his options going to be? And homeschooling him was an added stress for me because I just felt like this huge weight of, you know, getting him to the next level and making sure he had options. That's why I kept saying to him, I'm like, I know you're upset with me that I'm pushing you so hard, but I just want you to have options when you get to be 18, you know? So that was my goal. And I feel like I achieved that. (laughs) Project achieved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's good for all of you guys. It's such a big moment. I can't even imagine that. Like I went to pick my son up the other day and it was in right at the end of graduation. He's going into ninth grade. He's just finishing eighth grade this year. And I was like, this is only four years away, but yet it seems like 4,000 years. It seems like we have so much to get through to get to that. They're still little kids when they're freshmen. They really are. You know, that's a hard year Mm -hmm. because they're still very little. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And also like for my son's years, he didn't get some of those maturing experiences earlier, like getting a job and doing all these things because of COVID and yeah. you know, going out with his friends, like everybody was just sort of sequestered, you know, in their homes and not doing like those things that help you sort of mature socially and responsibility wise. But he kind of, he caught up this last year. He's really done amazing. He, his- well, he wasn't the only one. I mean, they all did right. it. Like, you know what I mean? They all got the shaft on that one. So. Right. And I feel like he'll be in good company going into his freshman year of college because yeah, they're all a train wreck. Right. Right. (laughs) And I mean, probably a little bit less so than the ones the year ahead of them. Oh, they were the the first group, the the two years ahead that didn't even have graduation there. Yeah. I mean, that's rough. 
Yeah, that was hard. So at least we got to celebrate him and his the the three other boys who I've known since they were, you know, kindergartners and just love them as much as my own son. And and it was just so great to celebrate them all. And they're also awesome. different. They're also different, but they're all going to the same college in the fall, which is kind of fun. I just am looking forward to it. It's also very convenient because you can all take turns carpooling to bring them home for breaks. Yeah. Because they can't have a, can they have a car? Like uh, most- no, not their freshman yeah. year. I mean, I think you can pay to have like a parking spot off campus, but it's not worth it. They're only like, it's not that far away. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. No one's alone. Mm -mm, I know. That's awesome. I love that you are getting your kids to college and I'm getting one to high school and one to fourth grade. So there we have it. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's kind of crazy. What's funny is I have really good friends the same way. They had a child when I wasn't even married yet. And now she's, you know, married and has a child and my child's just graduating high school. You know, it's funny how you can be close in age, but be so in such different places in life because people have children at such a wide span now. Yeah. I have friends that I went to high school with that didn't go to college and had their kids right after school. They're grandparents now. And I'm like, you might be grandma, but I'm literally still in third grade. Right. And I'm totally happy with that because I also look 20 years younger than you. I was going to (laughs) say, I feel the same way. I think it's better to have them a little bit later. I mean, for so many reasons. First of all, in your 20s, you get to have fun. And then also, like, even though, like, now I had menopause and raising a teenager at the same time, which I will admit was not easy, (laughs) but I I feel like, though, gosh, I just feel like it kept me younger. I agree. Like, I don't have grandchildren yet, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. One of the friends of mine from college, her daughter got married because I think people in the Midwest just tend to get married much younger than people out here. Right. And, um, I couldn't tell you anybody that I know on the East Coast that has children that are married and, and you know what I mean, that are anywhere near my age. But it's it's blows my mind. Like, I'm like, wow, you're a mother-in-law. That's insane. That's not even like, it's crazy. Like you have, your kids are already getting married. Well, I mean, I guess mine could still be getting married when yours are still in school. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I really, honestly, that is like the best part of him being an adult is not my problem. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, I'm like, you go do what you, as long as you're safe and healthy and happy. Like if you get married, I'll be happy. If you don't get married, I'll be happy. I don't care. I'm happy that if you're happy. So <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> That's nice. Well, congratulations to all of you. You Thank all you. did a nice job. Thank you. And it's all downhill from here, right? If only. I feel like, I don't know. I'm feeling kind of good. Like, okay, when I turned 40, I felt really good because I kind of felt like I was finally the age where I don't really have to care what people think about me anymore. It was a really weird transition for me. I loved it. And then like it slowly slipped away from me, (laughs) that feeling. And now I feel like it's back. Like, ooh, I can do what I want. (laughs) When I turned 40, I was pregnant. So there was none of that. Yeah, I there forgot. was none of that. Yeah. There was more like, oh, crap. Here we go again. Uh-huh. Number two. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You'll be happy when you're an old lady that you had that number two baby because that one will take care of you. And be- he, he is the best mama's boy in the universe. <laughs> you is. know it. He, he is. always is. He's always like, I love to hug you because you're squishy. 
Like, I, I feel like that's really good for my self-esteem. I do appreciate that because it's not like, I love my big fat mom. You're like, oh, you're squishy and I love it. So I'm sure that when he brings home a big girl or boy, whichever he chooses, I'll know that that is an ode to me. And that that would be like, oh, that's for my big squishy mom. Thanks, little lovey. <laughs> anyway. All right. So. Anything else going on? Are we good? We are good. Should we get this thing on the road? Yes. We're not good. We're a hot mess express over here in, in, <laughs> in Massachusetts. Things are a mess, but I'm hiding in the bunker from the pollening. Otherwise, we're fine. I, I was like, I'm going to have to edit a lot this episode because we'll be coughing and hacking like every other sentence. I know, right? <laughs> Terrible. And you know what's nice? Like, I'm not sure if I have a fever or a hot flash at this point. I'm like, is this a fever? Or is this a hot flash? I don't know. Who's to say? Welcome to my world. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started. Welcome back. This week, we each chose a middle grade realistic fiction written by a non-white author and featuring diverse characters, which is not hard to find. Thank goodness. Nowadays, there are a plethora of options, which is shocking because that would not have been the case 10 years ago. So what do you got for us? What did you read? All right. I read Maisie Chen's Last Chance by Lisa Yi, who is a Chinese American author. The book came out in February of this year. 2022. So brand new. Um, The story is about Maisie Chen, who is an 11 year old Chinese American girl who lives with her mom in Los Angeles, but suddenly is rushed off to last chance, Minnesota to visit her grandparents who own the Golden Palace restaurant there. Golden Palace. That's a good one. Isn't it great? That's awesome. I love the name. It was originally the Golden Grill and then they changed it to the Golden Palace. I just love it. I love it. So we find out that Maisie's grandpa or Opa, as she calls him, is very sick. By the way, Opa is German, not Chinese. So that just gives you a little hint about their family history a little bit. It's a lot of those Norwegian, isn't it? There's more than just... Uh, that's true. It's probably more it's, yeah, it's Germanic them, languages, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Dutch and everything too. Yeah. Maisie and her mom have come to help out at the restaurant and with her opa's care. And I love this book, especially because even though it's a realistic fiction set in modern times, it secretly has the heart of a historical fiction story. Oh, there we go. I knew you'd get there. It's a story within a story. And the story is amazing. Um, As Maisie is caring for her opa, he slowly shares the family history of how they came to own the Golden Palace. Um, This story is about her great, great, great grandfather, Lucky, who came to the U.S. from China in the late 1800s. Margie, I feel proud. Like, aren't you proud of me? I found a way to love realistic fiction. (laughs) Only because you morphed it into what you like anyway. (laughs) Yeah, you just make a historical fiction disguised as realistic fiction. I'm there. I'm there. I'm all in. All right. So anyway, I have to admit, actually, the realistic part of the story was pretty amazing, too, especially when they kind of all tied together at the end. It was so cool. The book is only 288 pages. Um, Maisie Chen's oh, last chance. Yeah, it's only and it's a really quick read, but it is packed with so much information and family and story. And oh, my gosh. Every character is so unique and interesting um, it, from like strained and difficult family relationships and friendships to food descriptions that made me like so crazy hungry. And I've been sick and nothing <laughs> sounds good. But the food and this story, I was like, dang it. 
And then there's like Chinese American history, including like railroad worker, San Francisco, Angel Island, which I was don't know that much about Angel Island, but that's where people came in on the West Coast. New immigrants came into the country. So I have read a lot about like Chicago, people coming in through Chicago too. So that's that was really interesting to learn more about Angel Island. And then the Paper Sons, which I did not know that much about this. I've heard I'd heard that expression before, but apparently in 1882, the U.S. limited immigration from China with the Chinese Exclusion Act, which... Good grief. Have Are you we, kidding? Have, I didn't know that. Yeah, have we changed nothing in this country? But um, no, so it, we still suck. It could only be people related to Chinese Americans who were already here. So men, most of the time it was men, sometimes women, but mostly men coming to the U.S. from China would purchase ID papers of fictional sons of U.S. citizens. So that's how they became paper sons because they were sons on paper only to U.S. citizens. And I thought that was so interesting. So they had like this whole network set up of helping Chinese people come into the country during that time. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too, because it was sort of a hidden history because people were so afraid of being deported at the time that they didn't talk about it. So now like people are trying to piece it together of how it worked and who, who was involved. And it was really fascinating history. But anyway, by the end of Maisie Chen's last chance, I was bawling my eyes out. Really? Yes, because it was so good. And I felt so connected with Maisie and her opa because I was really close with my grandpa who also shared our family's immigration histories and stories with me. And so I just felt like this huge connection to them. And it was just such a, a wonderful, happy, emotional journey that had a lot of sad points too, but it was so good. And I just highly recommend this book. I think it would be wonderful in the classroom because it would spark some really interesting discussions about like how far we've come and how far we haven't come. It was also an interesting dynamic of like these two women coming from a major city where there's a lot more diversity to a small town in the Midwest and Uh kind of what that was like for them and what that meant. There's so, so much that could be impacted just like history-wise, sociology-wise, modern, you know, ethics, everything. It was really fascinating. Yes. Maisie Chen's Last Chance. How old is Maisie again? She's 11. So it's good for younger kids, right? Yeah, I definitely, because it was an easy read. And okay, yeah, I would definitely say, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders would love it. Because I've now moved into that realm of reading. And now I'm always looking for things that will like entertain me and my little nugget as well. Because we're into that lower, uh, you know, like lower fourth grade level. Definitely think if you were teaching anything about like the construction of the railroads and the great expansion and all that, this would be a great book because it talks a lot about the workforce on the railroads was like 90% Chinese or something like that. So that's a really big part of American history that is, in, you know, could, would be fascinating. Interesting. I remember learning about that. That was something that was very fascinating to me. I still remember I had a very um, staunch old ex-nun as my third grade teacher who taught us all about that. She was also um, probably mildly racist in many ways. The way that she taught it and this sort of dis 
uh, this is totally inappropriate, but this is what she called it. They were, it was called China man's chance or something yeah. like that. And they would send Chinese migrant laborers, immigrant laborers into the um, like tunnels or whatever. And if they died, they died. And if they didn't, they just move on. And I remember like being astounded by that. Like that is the most horrendous thing I'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a matter of fact when she taught it. And I was like, that stuck with me for, you know, I mean, my God, it was third grade, like 500 years ago. But um, I, I think it would be super important to teach this on top of that. You know, like this sounds like a great book to teach with that. I agree. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Oh, that's cool. Um, I might even get behind that. You know, I don't like historical fiction. I think you would like this. And I really think that um, this is a fantastic way of getting historical fiction into stories because it's approachable for kids who think, oh, historical fiction is boring or whatever. And yeah. I 100% you know, well, you know how I feel about historical fiction, but in the United States, people do not study history enough. I mean, you go and you go to anywhere in Europe and again, they are surrounded by their history. So it's a little bit more in your face, but it's such an important part of their heritage. And I feel like in the United States, we just don't embrace our history quite as much. And maybe that's because we are progressive forward thinking. Like it's just, well, and we're all weren't here for most of it. Right. And that's just, that's kinda, part of yeah, the problem. That's just kind of how it, we've, it's always been like, keep moving forward here. And which is good because, you know, we've keep getting a little bit better, hopefully, but you know, but it is hard not to repeat some of the same mistakes if you're not paying attention to what, how things used to be. And I got to I got to say, like, though, on that note, you're right. You're totally 100 percent right, because when we are, I I mean, I hello, I live on the rock on Plymouth Rock, you know, like where it all began. And um, we are literally surrounded by our history and we do study it more than anybody else because it's I mean, you can go to we go to Plymouth Rock just to get ice cream, you know, right, right. It's always there. Everything is always there. But you do study in a deeper level than the rest of the country because it's part of our our curriculum because it's so accessible and everything we have. I believe that the Massachusetts schools and the New England schools tend to have a better. And when I was in Philadelphia, it was the same thing Mm -hmm. because you're right here. So you study that so much more in depth and it does stick. And the mistakes are admitted here that are maybe not admitted other places because I'm thinking, especially like between um, what happened to the Wampanoag tribes Mm. when the pilgrims landed, that is something that is still very much in active um, in in a situation that's in active repair now here Mm -hmm. and constant, like a constant sort of make amends, sort of mea culpa on behalf of the the first settlers here Mm -hmm. still in 2022. That's still happening because we see it all the time and we see the ramifications when you're living someplace else. It's not, it's not as easy. So you're, that's a really, really great point. You don't see the, unless you're surrounded by your history, it's a lot harder to kind of understand and see that, get that kind right. of culpa out of it. You don't have the, you don't have something to hook it onto because Plymouth Rock mm-hmm. isn't down the street. Yeah. yeah. I understand that. It doesn't excuse it. Right. Right. <laughs> but it makes sense. Well, and this is what I'm saying. So to make things approachable for kids who think, you know, that stuff is stuffy and boring or whatever, wrapping it inside of realistic fiction is brilliant. It's brilliant. I think it's yeah. a brilliant idea. And because you have a modern main character that kids can relate to and yeah. Maisie 
Chen was funny and she was really interesting. She started writing um, her own fortune cookie fortunes, like because she thought nice. they were the ones that were came with the cookies were kind of boring. So she started writing her own and she would, um, her grandpa was also teaching her how to play poker and how to like read people. And so she would sit in the restaurant and read all the uh, customers and write fortunes specifically for them. It was so sweet. There was this one family who always came in for like kids eat free night. And the, the younger kids were kind of wild and crazy and would like throw food and get all wound up. And one time she wrote fortunes for them that said like, Santa is always watching you. <laughs> and stuff like that. Oh my Brilliant. God. It was hysterical. I mean, just fun stuff like that. And, and also like how people, aren't exactly how they appear on the outside sometimes. And there were just so many lessons in this book. I can't even like one of the reviews I read in Goodreads said there was too much in this book. And I, I don't think so. Is that possible? It all came together. Honestly, there was not one thread that was left hanging. Like everything came together in the end. And Lisa Yee did pack a lot in this story, but I loved every minute of it. And I loved how she tied it all together in the end. So it was so good. So good. And, you know, there's something about, I don't know, speaking from like historical fiction perspective, when you do all this research into history, you do want to include it all. Yes. Yes. You want to say, look what I got. Look what I learned. It's so hard not to include it all. And I, but I think she did it like very artistically and and it was entertaining and it wasn't like a data dump, you know, where sometimes that can happen. None of that. It was just amazing. And the relationships were all unique and interesting and different things were going on. And I really loved it. Okay. Enough of me gushing about Maisie Chen's (laughs) last chance by Lisa Yee. What is your book about? I want to hear about this book so much. Onjali Q. Roth is who wrote my book. It's called The Night Bus Hero. And I read The Boy at the Back of the Class, which is one of her other ones. We love that book. Right. Like she's had a boom, 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 boom. This one came out. The Night Bus Hero came out in 2020. The Boy in the Back of the Class came out. I think it was the first one of her big, like she's got other books, but her big ones. Um, She is a a British writer. She's Muslim. Um, She is of non-white descent. And she's had this like flush of books out lately. And the boy at the back of the class was about a Syrian refugee. She's got another one called The Star Outside My Window. And that came out in between. I think that one. So the boy at the back of the class came 2018. I think 2019 was the star outside of my window. And that's about a girl kind of living in a domestic violence situation. Her mother's in a domestic violence situation and sort of the ramifications on her. Um, And then the line above my door is came out at the end of 2021. And then this one kind of came out sandwiched in the middle, the night bus hero. So she's got a lot going on. And um, I, I feel like they're all for younger readers. The subjects are heavy, very heavy, like domestic violence, Syrian refugee. This one deals with homelessness. They all kind of have like these really heavy ideas, but they're very brought down to a level that's very understandable and appreciable for younger kids. Mm -hmm. So I would say that her books usually tend to skew on the lower middle grade side, which is nice because it's nice to have some heavy topics for younger kids as well. Her characters are also very diverse and realistic and she's also sort of vague, which I love. I love this very much. Like she'll say he has dark hair. He's got uh, hair that flops in his eyes. Then that's it. And, you know, like usually the there's a May May Ying is one of her one of the characters. And that's probably and May's dad's name, I think, is Chen. And that's about 
as much as we get into any sort of um, giving somebody a, a nationality, which I think is really awesome and really important. And instead, she sort of lets the the world around them be what's important and not what they are. You you can figure that out on your own. So that's one of the things that was so like so impressive about this one. This whole story is told from uh, Hector, who is a horrible child, and I hated him. I hated him for so long that I could not even enjoy the book at the beginning. And I was like, if this little turd face doesn't change something, then I'm not going to enjoy this book, nor am I going to read this book at all. So I do think that. From a kid perspective, it might be okay. From an adult perspective, I'm like, this is a little too Bart Simpson for me because he's just horrible. You know what I mean? Like, he's just absolutely, he's a bully. He and um, two of his friends at school shake down every kid that goes into the class for sweets and money. And they, they, you know, beat kids up and they do all the typical things that bullies do. He sucks. He really, really so sucks. It's a story from his perspective at the beginning? He, yes, it is all from his perspective. Wow. And his name is Hector. Okay. Hector has an older sister and an older and a younger brother. We don't know anything except he's got dark hair. We don't know much else about Hector's um, nationality or anything. They all live in, in outside of London. Okay. His name is Hector, but his little brother's name is Hercules. And his older sister's name is Helen because their parents are scholars. Ah, okay. He's named Hector after the Greek mythology. Right, right. We soon learn that they are mostly, they spend most of their time with their uh, nanny. Uh, his dad is a filmmaker and his mom is, oh God, she's a scholar of some sort. And they're, they're always gone. And they're basically being raised by the nanny. Helen, his older sister, is very smart and nerdy. Um, Hercules, the little brother, is like three. So you're not going to not like him. Who's not going to like him? He's adorable, you know? So Hector's very much his middle child syndrome. (laughs) Yes. And his behavior is sort of like being left out. His behavior is sort of, um, it's sort of a reaction to being left out of everything, not having a place, not feeling like anybody cares about him and not really having any parental influence whatsoever because they're very absent most of the time, which just kind of sucks. And then you kind of feel bad for Hector because you're like, oh, maybe you just need a mom, but maybe you just shouldn't suck so much and she'd come back. I don't know. You suck. You suck. You suck. <laughs> so one day he and his two friends that um, are also with him most of the time in the bullying antics, they decide to get revenge on this homeless guy who they you know like made them angry for something mundane, made them angry in the park. And he pulls a prank on the homeless man, but it quickly goes south and becomes instead of just sort of a mild inconvenience, it becomes like a very tragic event. And um, it's really throws things into a different level. And people immediately, everyone that sees him, the entire homeless community, they despise him and hate him because of what he's done. He's taken it's like taking his bullying way too far. And then one night he's out and there's a, a rash of burglaries happening on major like um, like Piccadilly Circus, like what do you call them? Like major venues, major sightseeing spots in, in London. Um, and they are blaming the homeless people. And Hector is in Piccadilly Circus at 10 o'clock one night riding a skateboard because no one's home to care if he's home or not. And he sees the one of the crimes take place and he sees in Piccadilly Circus and he's sure that the person who did it was the homeless guy that he did the horrible thing to. So then he tells the police and the police go on a search and they start arresting all the homeless people. And there's a girl in his class. Her dad runs a homeless shelter or a soup kitchen, excuse me. And she decides that, um, you know, that she's going to tell that May Lee is her name. And she's going to, she's basically going to narc him off, but he's like, wait, 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 I might've been wrong. 
let's see if, you know, like, why don't you help me? And the actor ends up working with May Lee and the homeless people to actually catch the real criminals. Mm. And it's because there's one part where Hector has to go on the bus. You know, he does make amends with one of the homeless people and he, um, he and the homeless guy are on the bus and they decide that they will make Hector look like May Lee's 87 year old Chinese grandfather. <laughs> so they wrap him all up. And they give him his bus pass and they make him look like a small homeless Chinese grandfather. And that's how they sneak him on the bus. <laughs> it was really pretty funny. Um, when he did this horrible thing to the homeless person, I was like, I'm done. I just can't read about bad people doing bad things. Mm-hmm. But the backlash that he took was so good. Like mm-hmm. everyone hated him so much. And he started to sort of feel it that you're like, okay, I'm going to see, I'm going to see it get yours. Mm-hmm. And he does get his in some ways, you know, and he really does sort of find out that the way he's been just, you can't, it's not sustainable. That's not how you treat people. And um, there's so much in here about people treating homeless people like dogs, mm. just the way that they explain the, the perspective of like, well, there's a woman named Catwoman who's got 13 cats and lives in a tent. And he's like, well, why doesn't she's got pictures of her grand grandchildren in the tent? And he's like, I don't understand. Why doesn't she just go home? Like, why doesn't her family just take her home? And they very the, the homeless people explain to him, that's not how it is. Like, this is why this mm-hmm. is what mental illness does. And people sometimes force you bullies, bully you into doing things that, that destroy your life. And this is what happens. And it's really, really well done. It's really shows a different perspective in a very age appropriate way. Mm. And like is an adult reading, you know, that somewhere along the line, Catwoman got knocked into drugs and right. then she got into an abusive situation. And you can see all that from an adult perspective, but you would never get that as a kid. You just know that something went wrong and that's how she's there. Mm-hmm. And the people that started her on that path were bullies, just like Hector. So I think it was really great. It had a very satisfying ending. It was a good, quick read. One of the things that's really important is about um, Onjali Roth. Her books always have a lot of information in the back. Mm. More information. If you want to help, here's a way to connect. Um, And this is no different. Adds information on the Coalition for the Homeless in both England and in the U.S. She was a person facing homelessness for a long time. As a child, she was homeless. So this is based on some of her own experiences as well. One of the things is there's homeless code. I didn't know anything about this. So that's why they decide that it's homeless people doing the crimes, because at every crime scene, there is a coat in spray painted in yellow paint. And this code will say like bad water, don't mm-hmm. go here. They're friendly. You can get a meal here. And there's different codes for all these things. But as the homeless people quickly point out, no one would ever paint that in bright yellow and no one would ever show these codes to anybody. So um, because it's just meant for this sort of underground group of people. So they're being set up basically. Yeah. They're being set up by somebody who's in power to get rid of the homeless people. It's actually, and, and Hector kind of uncovers it all and Hector uncovers it all because he comes up with this plan for how they're going to catch the thief because he draws comic books. So he drew drew a comic. So he does have some redeeming qualities. He's just a turd turd, though. And you're like, Oh, Hector, do you think it's interesting that she chose that Hector's perspective and not um, May Lee's perspective or, or even a homeless person's perspective. I think it's a great way to do it because he gets the, the, the realization of how bad his actions are happens to him. And also I think it's a way for people who are non-homeless to be drawn into the story from the other side, you know, versus. Yes. Because you've seen people do to other, like if you, you know, you might've, if you live in a city and especially like Indianapolis has a humongous hopeless, mm-hmm. homeless population. Mm-hmm. 
And you've seen people behave the way that Hector does towards the homeless population. And, and so being an, in this way, you kind of are inside of the mind of someone who acts the way that you look at with such disdain, like, how could you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, but you're in his mind. How long I think does it's a great it way take to do Hector it. to flip? Like how, how long into the book is he? Way too long. Okay. Like it needed to be a, a couple of chapters and that was it or something. Yeah. It was about half the book before he sort of gets Ooh, it together. Yeah. He's, he really sucks for a long time. Yeah, that's hard. It is. I'm with you. It's really hard to read about people being mean to other people right now. Even in the Maisie Chen's Last Chance, like they were dealing with some racism that was happening. And I was just like, gosh, I just can't even read about this. I'm like so sick of people being mean for no reason. It's like, oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I know what you mean. And it's interesting because she, like the, hearing a lot of the homeless people, you get some of their backstory. Some of them you never do, but some of them you do. And when you like, and that sort of makes Hector realize like, God, I, I suck. Mm-hmm. I really suck. How could I do something so horrible to somebody who's already gone through so much? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, you know, punching down happening these days. Yeah. I mean, it's a great book. I, I have to say, I'm a big fan of her though. I, I'm a big fan of her work. Mm-hmm. And it's because it has such a political social justice slant to Mm -hmm. it. But then it's also because it's so backed up by what you have in the back. You know, like you said about all the research, hers is there too. And like, now she's like, okay, now go do something Mm -hmm. here. If you want, if you liked this and you thought this was interesting, now go do something. Here's where to go. That's awesome. And I think that's really important. Middle school kids are ready to be activists, you know, or active. Oh, they totally are. When I taught middle school, they had more passion than anybody had ever experienced ever. Mm -hmm. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I've seen a lot of kids do really amazing things at that age that they were passionate about. It's also because it's the first time that they realize like, wow, people suck. You know, like they really see it firsthand. They're like, well, people can really be horrible. And let's change that. What can we do? Yeah. Um, Run away. You know, that's what I'm going to do. The other thing in my book too, I forgot to mention is there's a recipe at the end. What's it for? It's it's for uh, cream cheese wontons. Oh, don't! Why'd you say those words? Now I'm going to want them. I know. I love those things. <laughs> My kids love those too. I know. There's so much interesting stuff at the back of all books now, like especially these kind of books that have a lot of information about different points in history that we don't know that much about, or different things going on in the world that people aren't that aware of. I think it's me. Yeah. That's amazing. Can I just say the one thing too about the night bus hero that, and it was the same as the boy in in the back of the class. Um, One thing that I really, really, and I kind of put this aside from the book that uh, last week's book that I didn't like because I thought it was preachy. There's nothing preachy about him. Own Jolly Roth gives you the, she gives you the situation. She gives you the facts. She gives you the characters reactions in that moment. There's never any sort of preachiness to it. Because she lets the story preach. Mm-hmm. It lets the actions of the characters and the reactions of the people. That's where the preaching comes in. That's where the lesson is derived. Mm-hmm. Not this like sort of snide comments or side, not snide, excuse me, side comments that say, because we're this, da, 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 right. da, da, because we're homeless, everything is horrible. She doesn't say anything like that. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say anything. It's not this like direct here, pity me. I'm a Syrian refugee. Nothing like that. It's more like, here's the story. Here's the facts. You take from that what you will. You're going to take from that. Like anybody with a human heart is going to take from that what needs to be taken. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's the subtlety is so important to keep your readers. 
I agree 100% with that. I mean, a good story imparts a lesson, whether, you know, you're aware of it or not. Like in, in picture books, I always have parents who are like, we're having problems with this. Is there a book about it, a picture book about it? It always just like breaks my heart a little bit because it's like, yes. why don't you just get good picture books? Because they they will impart a lesson. It's not, you don't have to have a specific lesson, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know. That's just my take on it. And I understand as a parent, you're looking for resources to help you all you can. And I totally get that hundred percent. But I also think if you surround your child with really good stories, they're going to learn those lessons, whether it's overt or not. Just model, model for them. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like if you have a good story with good characters, they're going to model the behavior that you want in your child anyway, no matter what age or in people. I mean, if adult books that we read, you know, models a certain behavior that you that we pick up on and we think, oh, I wish I was more like that. Or I or I understand what that person's thinking. Or oh, now I know what it feels like to be homeless, even though I'll never, you know, hopefully never be homeless. That's why they say reading teaches empathy more than anything else. Reading stories, other people's stories. And this and hers are great. I'm gonna go with it. Okay. Hers are great. I think it's important. So anyway, we got two winners this week. We what are the odds? All right. So that wraps up our book chat. We read Maisie Chen's Last Chance by Lisa Yi and Margie read. The Night Bus Hero by Onjali Rath. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with this week's Pick 6. All right. Welcome back. For this week's Pick 6, we thought we'd just chat about the things we're looking forward to on summer break. I know it sounds like we're being kind of lazy and didn't come up with anything, but well, that's exactly what happened. We're both sick. We just want to do something fun. We haven't talked for a while. I know, right? <laughs> I just finished up my preschool year. Margie's finishing up her school year in the next few weeks. And we just wanted to have a nice chat over a cup of coffee. We're having coffee this morning. It's morning, so we're not drinking wine. I know. <laughs> I wish it was wine. I wish it was wine in this big old coffee cup, but I'd probably fall asleep before I could get any further. <laughs> Which is my number one thing for yeah, summer. What are you looking forward to, Mari? Tell me I about it. I just want to sleep. I am. I just <laughs> want to sleep. I am literally and physically more exhausted than I have ever been in my life. Between homeschooling my little nugget, running all up and down the South Shore of Massachusetts for soccer, running my other one to school, and teaching up until the wee hours of the morning on Fridays, I'm done. I'm so exhausted that come July first, I'm just gonna pass out and I don't want anyone to wake me up for a few days. So that's my first big thing. And I always, it's funny because I, my kids, we, we do this all the time in classes on my classes. I'm like, okay, we're getting closer. What's now, how many days left? What's one more thing you're looking forward to for summer? And uh-huh. the, I'm like, you can't tell me sleep. We're all tired. You can't tell me sleep, but I am old. And I, I am, I am saying that that's what I need. I need, <laughs> I just need like rest. Like my brain needs to chill, you know? Yes, I understand that. That's my most important thing. What do you look, what's something you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to finally getting some writing done because that space in my brain that's been taken up by worrying about getting my kid through high school is now complete. It's got a vacancy sign. I have free space in my brain to start getting creative again. It's really hard to be creative when you're stressed out. I have to say for me, for me personally, telling me. Yeah. And so I just feel like I'm ready to be creative again, even just like 
when I'm sitting, I, well, I was sick all week. So even then, like just, I started thinking about the projects I've been working on and I just started taking notes again and I could feel that flow coming back and it was amazing. So I cannot wait to get some writing done. That sounds amazing. I, I That would be like high on my list of things to do. <laughs> After you take a break. <laughs> After I take a break, because honest to God, I have never felt this kind of tired in my life, but that's not, that's on me. That's my problem. And I just keep trying like, I'll try this herbal supplement. It does nothing, nothing, nothing works. <laughs> yeah. I just keep thinking like, oh, I'll do this. I'll try that. No, no. It's literally just my children wearing me out. <laughs> What's your second? Um, my other thing that I'm looking forward to is, um, uh, okay, so I have a strawberry patch in my backyard. And this is my second year. So this is the year that it should start producing. And something's eating my strawberries. Oh, no. So I'm not sure if it's this cute little bunny or this cute little eight-year-old that I have. <laughs> um, but I'm going to be doing some investigative journalism to get to the bottom of this because I had my first. And this is what's the worst. Like you can see. It's like when you have a, a green tomato and you're like, mm, it's coming. Yes. It's going to come. And I, I have these like giant green strawberries. They look beautiful. And the next thing you know, when I go back to check on them, there's a giant bite gone or they're missing completely. <laughs> I believe that the giant bite gone could be the bunny. I believe the missing completely could be the eight-year-old. <laughs> it could be both. Just they're saying. in cahoots. It could be. I would not be surprised. <laughs> they do talk to each other. Um, so I am going to uh, do a little Angela Lansbury on this one and find out who it is. But actually, I'm really psyched because we did like we made a total overhaul of our back deck and everything. We got one of those outdoor sofas and everything. And what do you like a sectional? And um, we spent all Memorial Day weekend putting it together, the oh, Turk what? and I. I would like the record to also state that I, the dyslexic writer who is not an engineer, did not put any pieces on backwards. <laughs> The non-dyslexic engineer put three pieces on backwards and then we had to redo them again. I would just like the record to state that. I also put together the more complex parts of our sofa, but no grudges, just saying. I just need the record to state that. I plan to sit out there on my new sofa and watch the strawberries. Just watch That's guard, it. stand just guard them, over them. wine, watch strawberries. We get like, we live up on a hill, so we always have a breeze off the bogs and it's it's a really great place to read and read and read. And that's what I plan to do. I love it. Strawberry guard reading and drinking. That sounds lovely. Yeah. All right. Let's see. And you? Well, I know. Okay. So one of the things my husband's been doing as we gear up for this new part in our life is um, loading up on supplies and learning about ways of managing our property. <laughs> and so Oh my God, tell me he's not going to become a prepper. Um I don't think he'll be a prepper, but well maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We he's got it in we him. Both might I see be, a little doomsday yeah, prepper in him. I, we both might become hermits on this property. I'm not sure, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. I can already envision my little writing cottage that will be there. <laughs> so anyway. But he, it's so funny. So he's got supplies going. He's got ideas. He's been watching what I call forest porn of people like, oh my God, clearing out forests and, you know, cleaning them up. He doesn't, I mean, we're not, we're not clearing out our forest, but it really needs to be cleaned up. It's overgrown with, um, oh crap, what's that stuff called? Uh, the rose stuff that's invasive here and, uh, flora, flora rose, I think it's called. 
it's everywhere in our property and we have a huge tick problem and our trails aren't very clear. I have to say it makes me excited. Like the more stuff he gets so that we can go down there and start cleaning up. It's just did you get camo clothes to wear out there yet? No, but he's gotten um, Oh God. Wait. You cannot put you can't put a seven foot man in camo and expect no. expect him to disappear. So he went to Duluth Trading Company, I don't know, like after we bought the property, maybe a year ago, and bought himself awesome, like sturdy, like the almost canvasy pants, you know, like yes. outdoor. He looks like an outdoorsman now. I love it so much. It's amazing. And he got these great like flannel shirts. Oh my God, he's a lumberjack. And I know. Oh, they're fantastic. It's so great. And he's got this great like canvas jacket and everything. So he's prepared. So now I would, I would like, you need to get some now. I want to go to Duluth and deck myself out. So I'm ready to go this summer. So I can't wait. And you, and you know, while you're there, I'll be on the beach. P.S. Go on. Oh, yes. I know. You're a beach girl. I'm the forest girl, right? Because I live in the damn forest every day. <laughs> you like the wide open beach. And it's terrible with all the pollen. I'm so tired of the forest. I'm so yeah. tired. Fortunately, I don't, I don't think pollen affects me quite that bad. So hopefully I'll be okay there. But yeah, I'm kind of excited about that part. I don't know when we'll start, but whenever he says, okay, let's go to the property, get some work done, I'll be like, yes, let's go. I'm excited. Are you just going to pack it, like pitch a tent and sleep down there? Um, I You're not no, 10 people. You're more like glampers. It's not that far of a drive. So I have a feeling we'll just go back and forth or I don't know, stay at a hotel, I guess. Not that far of a drive. Say that in Midwest terms. Well, it's like three uh, hours, no, right? No, no, It's only like an hour and maybe 15 minutes. It's not that far. Okay. But in an hour and 15 minutes, I can be in Vermont oh, or Rhode Island right. or New all Hampshire. Right, I got you. I'm just saying, like, to or Maine, I can be in Maine in an hour and a half from my house. I'm just saying that in Midwestern terms, like, I said to my mom, we're going to the Midwest to see my mom. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll just rent a car. It's a long ways from the airport. She's like, it's only three hours. I'll just come down and pick you up. And I'm like, yeah. in three hours in my time, now I'm like, I mean, I'm in New York State. Right. Are you kidding me? That reminds me. I, when, I don't do well. When I lived in Kansas, we used to have to drive an hour to do anything like go to the movies or go, yeah, go out to dinner. Oh my God, it no. was like an hour no, no, drive. No, 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 no. And I just got used to it. Is that weird? I bet that's like in Europe. People freak out if you drive an hour. They think that's like you've gone off the edge of the world or something. You don't drive very far there. Yeah. I agree. Take the train or something. I well, and it's it like, very it's far. like, you know, you're going on vacation if you go to the other side of England or something. And I'm like, uh, we drive like that just to like, I don't know. I go visit my family. When I first moved to Indiana, I used to drive back to Illinois once a month and that's a four hour drive. And I there oh, just to get there. No. Yeah. And I used to do it like for the weekend or something. I never even thought twice about it. Well, and also when I lived in California, it took you two hours to drive like like five miles. So you kind of get used to like, even, yeah. you know, you're not going far, but you're spending the same amount of time. So, so speaking of that, uh, they were doing a thing the other day because, you know, um, we have, obviously we have large global warming issues that are affecting the ocean mm-hmm. and we have these horrible storms mm-hmm. and hurricanes and whatnot. So they did a thing on the news the other day that said like, if you evacuate these three areas, okay. So situate is not far from us. It's one of our, you know, rivals in soccer evacuate situate it would at the rate uh, currently it would take 30 hours oh my gosh to evacuate p town provincetown out on the end of the cape to evacuate them in the in the event of an emergency 42 hours oh and i'm gosh. like well you might as well just stay and die now what's the point because there's only that one road in and one road out That's bad. Did nobody think of these things before right <laughs> just say 
Canyon, the 40 some hours to evacuate it. You know how long it takes me to drive there? And that's the farthest outermost point. Like I'm going all the way out the Cape, around the Cape and to the point furthest point in. It, it takes me like an hour and a half to drive there from my house in Plymouth. Like it's, it's nothing. It's literally nothing compared. It's a very long ways. I could take the ferry and be there in 15 minutes, but um, by water, but you know what I mean? Like 40 some hours, you're dead. Everyone's dead. Just call it over. It's dead. Anyway. Well, that was like watching the footage of when they were evacuating parts of Florida. I mean, you just end up sitting on the highway, which I think would be a scarier place to be if there was like a massive flooding and you're stuck sitting in your car on the highway. Well, And they do turn them all like ours, at least when we're evacuating, they turn them all the other way if you have to evacuate. So all four lanes, but that's still only four lanes. That's why we sit in traffic so much. There's no room to put any more lanes. And you can't, if, if it's a hurricane, you can't evacuate people by air or boat either. Mm-mm. You're done. Mm-mm. And that's the problem because in New England, it's all, everything's dependent on boat. Everything is dependent on boat. You can't get anybody off Nantucket and oh, Martha's gosh. Vineyard. Yeah. You're, that, everything happens by boat. But anyway, there are perils out here. The perils, the perils we have. Let me tell you what. All right. What was your last thing then? Well, my last thing. Um, so I never watch movies and I never watch television very much just because I just simply don't have time. So the last thing I'm going to do is watch movies. Mm, There's some good ones out. Oh, my God. I watched The Tender Bar. And if you've not watched it, you must watch it. I've been putting that one off because I figured I'd cry my heart out. So good. I'm only I'm not completely done yet because I had to stop because I had to, of course, make dinner. But um, I don't know who Ben Affleck thinks he is, but he looks like everybody's uncle from the 1970s. And like when he was in Argo, I was like, oh, my God, why are you so handsome? You're like the handsome uncle from the 70s. In this movie, he is, again, the sev- like he wears everything that your uncles from the 70s wore. He's like that long and lean smoking yes. 70s uncle. He's everybody's uncle from With the, the 70s. And how metal button buttons on. The- yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the little, like, just a little bit of chest hair and, you know, yes. like the zip up sweater thing and the, 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 and the sunglasses. He's everybody's uncle from the 70s. So one, I might stalk him. He's in the hood. You know, he's from the area. I might look <laughs> for him. I, I'm not, I've never been a Ben Affleck friend, but I'm like, I really have a thing for 1970s and 80s Ben mm-hmm. Affleck. He's really, he looks really good that way. <laughs> so I'm going to watch new, a lot of movies. I watched the Sandra Bullock movie with, um, who's that other, the guy that did Magic Mike that I never thought was cute. And now I thought he was really cute in this movie. Channing Tatum. That was it. He was in there. That was fabulous. And oh my God, to see Harry Potter as the bad guy was absolute brilliance. Absolute brilliance. And then when the, <laughs> And when the one girl, her girlfriend pulls up to save them and she's like this beautiful, luxurious, like humongous black woman. And I love her. She's like, look, I found a little man, baby. I thought it was a little boy, but he had a full beard. <laughs> it was so good. Watch that movie. What's it it's called, called the, the Lost City. Oh, OK. So good. Hilarious. I literally laughed out loud. And my husband was really mad that I watched it without him. It's not like a rom-com. It's just really funny. Okay. I guess it is a rom-com, but it's it's funny. It, and Brad Pitt is in there and he's amazing. Never been a Brad Pitt fan. But again, I like 50-something Brad Pitt. He looked very hot. <laughs> um, and I don't even like movies. But now I saw two and I feel like maybe I'm going to like movies now. So that's my <laughs> third thing. I'm going to watch movies. So I'm going to sit on my butt. And we're still waiting to figure out if we're going to Turkey. We're waiting to hear on our villa. P.S. It's a house. It's an Airbnb, but they call it a villa. And it sounds much shushier if I said. So we might be, I might be doing all of this while in my villa in Turkey. I don't know. I'm still waiting. 
your back on that because doesn't everyone plan an overseas vacation at the last minute? <laughs> right. Um, or only if you're married to this, it's actually, but see, that's the thing. It's not really a, a, an overseas vacation. We're just going to grandma's. That's true. That's, that's wild. the advantage of being, you know, being international like us. So um, I'm going to figure out who's eating my strawberries as I read books and watch them from my deck. And I'm going to uh, sleep and rest. And I'm going to watch movies that have sexy 70s Ben Affleck in them. I mean, he needs to understand that this is important for him. <laughs> I mean, usually I would sell my soul for an e-dress album, but oh, I was impressed that I was I found him to be dreamy. So nice. this is a big moment, big moment for Ben. Nice. And what's your last thing? I mean, besides watching the tender bar, which you have to watch watch that. Yes, I will. So good. So um, I'll be getting some writing done. I'll be working on the property. And while I'm doing all those things, I'm going to try to take a sabbatical from momming. I know we kind of talked about this earlier, but like right now my son is on a trip and I didn't even check in yet. I'm trying really hard to give him his space and let him have his freedom. Good for you. Yes. And, um, and like I said, come on out. You can mom my kids. They need it. I'm really tired of it. They really need it. No, I'm taking a sabbatical from it. (laughs) So yes. And, um, yeah, whoever else I mom to, I'll try to take a break from that. So I I'm just exploring my options as a, you know, I know I'll always be a mom forever and ever until the day I die. And I'm totally fine with that, but I'm going to take a few weeks to just not think about being a mom. (laughs) Wow. You, can, you know what you should do on that time? You should think about sexy 70s Ben Affleck. Ooh, yes. That's what you should do in that time off. Just the 70s one. He's that cute in the 2000s. I'm not going to I'm down to thinking about anything sexy right now, actually. That sounds very nice. <laughs> sexy Ben Affleck from the, in his polyester pants. Who knew he could rock them? Anyway. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So that's that. All the crazy things we'll be doing this summer, which basically sounds like we're just going to be doing nothing. <laughs> I've been chilling. (laughs) It's so imperative this year. (laughs) It is. So, Margie, what's on deck for the next episode of Two Let Mamas? Well, as per usual, it's our Pride episode. And as per usual, Uncle Johnny will be joining us for our gay episode because he's our voice of reason when we talk about these things. And for our next one, we're going to read. It's an older book, but we're going to do. We, You know, I love my compare and contrast. I love a good compare and contrast. So we're going to read Better Nate Than Ever by uh, Tim Federley. So we're going to read the book. And then it just came out, the film version just came out on Disney, uh, Disney Plus in the, it was just in the spring. So we're going to compare it to the book. Did you ever book read that book before? Five, six, seven, eight, I believe I read. Oh, you read five, but six, I did seven, not eight. read uh, better, which I believe better Nate than ever is the first one. Yes. So we're going to do, we're going to do them both. We're going to read the book and the movie and see read the book, think. watch the movie and compare, which you already know the answer to that. The book's better, but we'll, we'll give it a fair shot, but there's a lot of good Broadway people in yes. that, which is why we have uncle Johnny on because he's the king of Broadway. So he will know all of the, that dish that are in the movie and stuff. Yes. So. And I, I yeah, cool. I watched the trailer and it looks fantastic. Actually, it looks pretty fun. So I love it. And Disney is so good at finding amazing child actors. So I'm kind of looking forward to yeah. the, the character coming, Nate coming to life. So yes. Yay. That sounds fun. That wraps up this episode of Tulip Mama's podcast. If you like what you've heard, leave us a review and share us. We'll love you forever. I mean, unless the review is bad. And then me and sexy 70s Ben Affleck are coming for you (laughs) because he's kind of shady in that movie. And I feel like he would have a tire iron. If not, I would have a tire iron because that's kind of how I roll (laughs) back in the The day. The silly girl in you comes out. 
Right. Right. There was, we were at a soccer game this weekend and I was about to get all Philly on this big old man screaming on the sidelines. And that was it. I couldn't, I couldn't. And my, you know what? The nice thing about the mom next to me, she's like, well, I'm from Dorchester. So let's go. I was like, there we go. Okay. Now I feel it. I'm feeling it. She's like, I'm from Dorchester. Just say, you can always, you can you can always find you a mom that's got your right. back. <laughs> Somebody's got Dorchester roots. You've always got a cousin from Boston. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to know what's happening and if I did get arrested at a soccer tournament, um, because I usually put that sort of stuff on our Instagram page, follow us on Tulip Mamas podcast on Instagram or Tulip Mamas on Facebook. And of course, on our website, www.tulipmamas.com. And if you want to join us twice a month for our kid lit discussions, because they're so enlightening and fun and make you laugh, um, please subscribe to the Tulip Mamas podcast or any of the places you get your podcasts. And have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.